Welcome to OP, a podcast. Today we have uh, a pretty much, I would say, a full crew. Uh, we have three of the main members and one special guest. So I'd like to introduce our special guest first, uh, Keegan Bunker. Say hi. Hi. And then we have our usual uh, host, uh, Griffin Most. Yep. Uh, finally, Wyatt Okers. And myself, uh, Jason O. Uh, missing today is Laurens. Uh, we have no idea what's he doing, but probably writing essays or reading. Yeah, on the rounds. And then uh, Soup, who has been frequently coming on this past season, is also out tonight. He has work uh, doing adult things, which is fine. But for today's podcast, we will be, uh, I'd say, an action-packed podcast for this week because we are going to recap the Northwestern game, preview our next uh, game this Saturday at home against the Illini, and then also discuss two new topics um, that broke this week, particularly the Gophers being ranked uh, at number 20 in the college football playoff rankings for their first week. And then, of course, P.J. Fleck, our head coach, was uh, uh, was given and signed a seven-year contract extension. So he'll be on contract with the Gophers till 2028. So those would be our four discussion points today. And the fifth, if, they have, if you have any hot takes, we'll pitch it in. So, gentlemen... The Gophers beat the Northwestern Wildcats 41-14, to uh, stomping them. We had 442 total yards, time of possession at 40 minutes. Uh, both teams had at least one turnover, uh, and the Gophers had 27 first downs versus uh, the Wildcats 13. Um, yeah, where do you want to start, guys? As a... Uh battered gopher fan at least at the hands of northwestern starting in 2015 this game was like very enjoyable to watch it's been like a long time coming i'll be honest <laughs> now, you not mentioned, also... now you mentioned it 20 like, was it 2015 2017 we lost in evanston we, had, we won in 2019 yep. but that was a still a good northwestern team i think mm-hmm. and then yeah and then we beat them again i was like did we finally break the curse that we we lose in Evanston? Twisted tea is a refreshing oh, hard iced tea made with. It's also fun to watch in the aspect of who's lining up in what position next. Right. Like, we we just never know. Like I maybe maybe pretty soon Tanner Morgan will be lined up as a free safety. Like who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Actually, let's get to some stats now. I forgot to mention that. Uh, Tanner Morgan, uh, I'd say had a pedestrian day, but it's still, you know, he did what he needed to do. 12 for 17 uh, for passes, 134 yards, uh, no touchdowns, but one interception. But I do want to note um, that interception was at the end of the second quarter where we're just trying to score points, uh, and he just threw a pick into the end zone. Yeah, and EJ Fashion, he doesn't call. Say again? I, f- I figured PJ would go for three points at the end, but <laughs> true. I don't. I don't hate the call, but just not very PJ esque of him. Then next, I always up. give. Oh, you go. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I always give Tanner Morgan crap jokingly for um his like terrible faking of like keeping it in uh in the run pass option or just any option play. And then there was what was it the third quarter, second quarter he kept. It, a 19 and yard, like fooled everyone 19 yard touchdown every time he keeps it he makes a move that's 
He's not going to keep it in one set of, you know, four dozen plays, but when he does keep it, he's getting you your first down. That's for sure. Or touchdown. So, or it's like cold yeah. cream. Like, oh, he passes it, something happens. It was nice to see that. <laughs> yep. But uh, rushing, actually, we had a pretty eventful day that day too for the running backs uh marquise bucko irvin had 19 carries for 110 yards for two tutties um which actually i think broke a record for the gophers uh he's the first true freshman to get two touchdowns and over 100 yards in a game since 2003 um kai thomas uh apparently got ha- like a, a little hurt at the end of the game but had 21 carries for 106 yards um then our third ru- emergency running back, uh, or no, fourth, because we had three running backs to start off that game. Derek, the captain, uh, only had three carries for 31 yards, and one of them was just keeping his feet up, running it into the end zone. And mind you, he played linebacker uh, for the Gophers first. <laughs> I mean, it's honestly impressive because you see him run into just a pile of bodies, and then all of a sudden he's spinning and yeah. just – I was like, uh, d- d- was your knee down somewhere? <laughs> and he wasn't I couldn't running. decide. Y'all were in the defense. So, I mean, props <laughs> to him. Like, that's just, it's awesome. I couldn't decide if that was just like him just being just extremely physical and like yards after contact or just like, wow, this Northwestern defense was just pitiful to watch. I couldn't decide which end it was. Yeah, but no, Derek LeCaptain is our pretty much at this point our third stringer running back for the Rangers season, so we'll take it. Uh, Makeshift emergency running back. I love that. (laughs) Next up, uh, Tanner Morgan, our captain. Captain Morgan. Uh, Three carries for 29 yards. One of them was uh, his 18, 19 yard run for a touchdown. Uh, Then Cole Kramer, our Wildcat QB. Had five carries for 23 yards. Um, and then Bryce Williams, before he went down with injury, had uh, two carries for nine yards. But he but uh, he got hurt on his uh, one, his uh, reception. So he caught the ball on the screen pass and ran down 19 yards down the sideline before um, I think he landed or the play, or the Northwestern defender like hit his leg in a um, uh, awkward situa- or situation or injury there. So... But yeah, that's our running backs. <laughs> All right, receiving. Uh, t- our lead receiver was Mike Brown-Stevens for four receptions for 63 yards. Then pretty much one pat- one catch for all these players were Bryce Williams, Dalen Wright, Daniel Jackson, Kai Thomas, Chris Altman-Bell, uh, two for... Bucko Irvin and one for Brevin Span for to the total of 134 yards combined on the offense. I love our receivers because they make plays when they need to make plays. But it's the one thing that scares me about this offense is that Tanner is only throwing the ball about 15 times a game. And when you go into deeper into bowl season or maybe in another non-conference matchup, you might need to rely a little bit more on your passing. 
Um, but it seems that every time we run the ball in an out-of-conference game like Georgia Tech or Auburn, it also just seems to go our way at the same time. But as we've kind of seen from Iowa, their strong point is their defense. But if you are relying on your defense to win you every game, eventually they're going to get tired, they're going to wear down, and they you need the offense to complement you at least a little bit. If If your offense can't put up points because your defense is on the field for 40 minutes a game, you have a problem. And that's the only problem I see going forward is that I love our receivers and they can make plays, but I want Tanner Morgan throwing the ball maybe maybe 25 times a game at least. And I want PJ to know that we will still not lose our identity of pounding the rock because of that. But these, these Tanner Morgan deserves reps uh, and, and all the receivers deserve more targets. I mean, we have talented players. Let's use them. Actually, while I was watching the broadcast on Saturday, they, they made it, they noted an interesting fact. Uh, the Gophers are fourth in the country in terms of uh, their, uh, how much they run the football compared to how much they pass the football. And I guarantee you, you can name all three teams that are ahead of them in running the football. Army, Navy, Georgia Southern? No. Army, Navy, Air Force. The oh. service <laughs> The military academies. And that's it. That's, that's the only teams. It's like 70% is the split for us, which is insane to me because, you know, Tanner Williams is supposed to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country, and I I do believe that he's playing well. I don't really think that he's getting the chance to showcase what he's really capable. So I agree with Griffin here. Put the ball in Tanner's hands 25 times a game. Let him chuck the rock a little bit. See what he can do. Because he's got some playmakers catching the ball, too. Yeah, it feels like every terrifying gopher game is always terrifying because the 12 times we throw the ball it's not connecting for 12 yards like it does when we actually do well. And that makes me very nervous if that's what we're going to keep doing going forward. Yeah. But uh, despite, you know, uh, you know, we have an awesome run game. We do have like sleepers and, you know, a very dom, actually a pretty dominating wide receiver core too. Uh, don't sleep on our defense too, guys. On the first drive, Northwestern had the ball. Their running back fumbled the ball. Mariano Story Mary, number 55, punched it out. Then true freshman cornerback Justin Wally picks it up, brings it to the house, hits, hits his head on the goalpost for a uh, uh, fumble, uh, fumble recovery touchdown to start the game off on defense. So we're, we're taking the lead 10-0 to start off In the, the business club at a scoop and score. Yeah, scoop and score, my bad. Um, and also throughout the game, we've only allowed Northwestern to score 14 points as well. Uh, while they did ran the ball better against us, we still kept them contained and make them convert much on in the red zone. Um, and we're still pretty much, I'd say, it's, I think we're still a top 10 rush defense as well. So a solid day on the defense uh, for those boys as well. So again, defense for us has been uh, bend but don't break this season. And I, I, I like that. Yeah, I think we're, I mean, we were like, what, fifth in the country coming into the game and run defense. Um, we might have dropped a little bit, but still, 
where we're probably still top 10. Evan, Evan Hall is a solid back. I mean, props to him. The only reason we, we dropped is because Evan Hall broke off a couple of big ones. Yeah. How would you take out two plays and suddenly you actually shoot him, I think? Yep. And also, too, um, Pat Fitzgerald replaced his quarterback, Ryan Halinski, who went one for six for the day with Andrew Marty, who was 10 for 16 and had two touchdowns into the end zone. I mean, it didn't look like Helsinki could even throw the ball more than 10 yards. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he threw what one pass for, yeah, he threw one pass for five yards. Not only did he not look confident, he just did not look fundamentally sound. A QB rating of three, I might add. <laughs> Ouch. They breed him well in Evanston. <laughs> and uh, next piece, uh, special teams will make Wyatt very happy. Matthew Trickett was finally 100% for kicking, two for two for field goals. Uh, his long was only 30 yards, but we'll take it. And then he was five for five on extra points racking up 11 points total this game for himself. And punter Mark Crawford didn't punt most of the game until one time where he punted for uh, once for 46 yards, and that is it. We take that average. Yep. 46 yards is a good average in college. We take that. Yep. Uh, but other than that, uh, that's pretty much it in terms of stats-wise for our uh, Gophers uh, over this win against Northwestern. But I, I do want to add, Gophers winning last Saturday and um, Wisconsin taking the W over Iowa. Gophers are now sitting alone at the top at the Big Ten West in first place with Purdue, Wisconsin, and Iowa sitting in second. Oh, actually, technically, Wisconsin's second because they take the head-to-head over Iowa and Purdue. So Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Purdue. Purdue. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, but that's currently the roughly like the top four teams in the Big Ten West right now. And like they've said about a million times on the air, every team controls their own destiny. Wisconsin's getting hot. Uh, the Gophers are ripping off some solid wins here. I think it's gonna the division will come down to a head head to head games. Someone's gonna have the same record as someone else, and they're gonna look. The last two weeks of the season, they're gonna, are gonna be real interesting if we if we keep up this race. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we don't have another one of those weird looking co Big Ten champion trophies again. That that's just weird. Oh, that was annoying I, in twenty nineteen. Want to want to throw that away? That's not right. No, no, especially with sharing it with Wisconsin. Right, and they they kicked their butt in the snow with college game day there, man. <laughs> Seven to zero. Oh, yep. And then that way. <laughs> but all right, next up, uh, this Saturday at Huntington Bank Stadium, the, our Gophers will be playing against the uh, Illinois Fighting Illini. At it's a eleven a.m. Central kickoff, so morning game. Uh, rip our former marching band as they had to go at 6 a.m. practice. Uh, I don't miss that. Um, right now, some key items uh, in terms of the money line and stuff. 
and betting odds. Gophers is favored minus 14 and a half. Uh, over under is 44. ESPN's oh. uh, football power index is favoring the Gophers 84% to the Illini 16%. Uh, and just to keep, rattle off some details about the Illini's uh, current, uh, like the last five games they played, they lost to Rutgers last weekend, fourteen to twenty. They beat Penn State at the time, number seven Penn State in nine overtimes, twenty to eighteen. They lost to Wisconsin, zero to twenty-four. Uh, I don't know who is this CLT, this like non uh, non conference team, fourteen to twenty, uh, twenty-four to fourteen, and Purdue. Stomped them nine to thirteen, the week before that. So they're right now um, overall record is two and four, no three and six, but two and four in conference play. This is what we call a trap game. Yep. This is, this is one of those ones that you have to be real careful in because uh, otherwise you got a result like the Bowling Green game. It feels like Illinois. <clears throat> the beginning of the Penn state game just woke up and just remembered how to play football all of a sudden. Cause like the first half of the season, and I guess the first half, the first three games, like not enjoyable football to even watch. And then all of a sudden, like they actually have a defense. And now if our like running back situation is still questionable, like I just, my like nightmares are just filled with bowling green all over again this week. Yeah. Yeah. This is a game to take lightly. It, it, it's a team that's, you know, had some bad losses. They lost to Rutgers. They lost to Purdue. But this is a team that also beat Nebraska week one. Beat Penn State in that first Penn State to nine overtimes. So, like, going to this game sleepwalking. It's not, it's one of those games where we have to remember that this is a game we have to take seriously. This is still a Big Ten opponent, and we still got to handle our business. And PJ will still treat the game that way. I have no doubts. Uh, Illinois, regardless of their record, has some really good players on their team. Um, I'm looking at Jake Hansen, linebacker. He's always a problem. Um, he is smart. He can read a quarterback's eyes. If he sees Tanner locked in on his first read, I'm sure he's going to you know, take a half step, do a full step, or maybe a little jump towards that way. So if there's a turnover in this game, I'm saying Jake Hansen either intercepts it or tips it. And then Devin Witherspoon is a really good tackler as their DB. I am, uh, I will, we will probably see him up around the line of scrimmage, either maybe disguised uh, as a blitz, maybe drop him back. I, I don't know what Lovey Smith like to play cover two defense a lot, um, but I don't haven't really watched too much Illini football this year to know what um, Bolima's staff does, but they still have some talented players, so they're not something we want to overlook either. Yeah, looking at offense too, their running back Chase Brown is very Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor s you know your large, like sturdy, stocky running back that does grinds the ball on the ground but thing is that it's just uh, in terms of running back it's just chase brown if, if you look at it in terms of like he is their one best player uh on the offense uh and then their second best i would say is quarterback jason peters who's back from injury as well 
So like on offense, uh, last game, Jason Peters did had a pretty solid game too, uh, against Rutgers. It's just you know they couldn't um, hold it off, uh, hold Rutgers on defense, and uh, Rutgers scored pretty much. But you know, you guys said it best. We should not be sleeping on the Illini and knowing PJ having one week championship weeks essentially against each opponent. I think that's going to be very very crucial for this offense um, and defense for the Gophers. Um, and just like quickly look at the Illini's like in terms of team stats for the season, they've uh, scored only 17.1 points a game versus our 28.4, uh, but they allowed 23.3 points versus our 18.9. Um, so it, it, that that seems very deceiving too, because like, again they if they can they win games by like not scoring more than 20 points. I'd I'd say. Um, then uh, total yards on offense, they have about 145-ish on uh, in the pass and 180 on the ground. But then their defense has allowed 242 yards in the air and 160 yards on the ground. So their their defense will let us run, but like they're not gonna you know let us get those big bursts uh, like other teams have had us do. Um, so I'm hoping. This is the game Tanner chucks to 25 times, and we just have our tight ends and the receiver can just eat on that defense. Of course, uh, if uh, assuming Tanner doesn't make those uh, reads where his eyes just look at his first read and he throws it to his first read, and Jake Hansen, that linebacker, just like uh, I'm gonna get in the way here. But other than that, uh, I think this is the kind of game where I want to see Tanner, uh, at least for my key of the game, uh, Tanner Tanner just chuck it 25 times due to the receivers or tight ends or even the running backs on the screen game um, and, you know, make them uh, make the Illini defense off balance because they know we can run the ball. Like, everyone knows that. You know, just chuck it. Yeah, I think we'll rip off some big runs in this game because we'll play the time of possession game exactly like Northwestern and their defense is going to be up there too long to to not – we're going to wear them down enough for – the big runs are just going to happen. They're going to have to throw in different linemen, sub them out. It is what it is. Um, quarterbacks, both of their quarterbacks, Satowski, Rutgers transfer, and Peters. Peters has never fared well, but their completion percentages are both only 50%. They only average five yards of throw. <laughs> so they, they play the short game, which is what we like to do sometimes as well. So as long as long <clears throat> as long as we play down to their game, we should be fine. I want to like give some love to our O line. Like we keep saying, we're kind of nervous about our run game with the injuries. But end of the day, like we're putting, we're literally putting random, not random, but random guys in our backfield, and the O line's like doing work and just getting those guys through for like the runs that matter. So, like with this defense, like they have been on a roll, the Illini, but I like am confident on our front guys to like do well this game. I don't think the Illini are very good either at trying to solidify an edge. I think we're going to see like what Marquise Irving did on one of the last touchdowns of the game where he's just going to find a corner and run. Uh, I see that happening a lot here. I don't think Illinois is going to set an edge and make them run up the middle. So, but then again, I feel like I haven't watched. You do make us run up the middle, you know, that we can do that. We can do 
but I like seeing I like seeing Bucky in space too. Or uh, I know Bryce went down with injury, but um, that screen pa- that screen pass that retainer just like couldn't find one, two, or three, and sees um, Bryce is out towards the sideline, dink and dunk. He ran it 19 yards before you know that hit at the end that tackled him out of bounds. You know, made him go out of the game for with a season-ending injury. You know, I like that. Like that's the pro-style offense where if you can't if you can't find all your reads, just dink and dunk to, to your screen, uh, and then just get yardage out of it. And our running backs can get those yards. <laughs> the only thing I want our running backs to do in the future, now that we're down to our last two true running backs, is if you got the first down like Bryce did, just just step out of bounds. Yeah. I, I, I love that you want those extra three yards, but save your legs because <laughs> we're probably going to need them. We still got four more games, well, five more, including a bowl. So, yeah. We're six and two now, right? We are six and two. Yeah, four more regular season games. And since we're bowl eligible, it'll be a bowl game as well. Yo, actually, I only want to. Daniel Fialele at tailback. Because he played rugby back in Australia. <laughs> I was just thinking that. Just one play. One play. <laughs> one. If we're like, yeah, fourth quarter, we're up by two scores, and we're like, hey. Fourth and goal on the half yard line. <laughs> Give it to the man. We don't have we don't have Bryce with him here to catch a wild <laughs> pass. What? Why not? Who's taking him down? All he has to do is roll. I'm just worried about his hand skills. Like I, I'm if he if that ends up happening, I'm terrified of him just dropping the ball. Have you seen how massive was, his hands are and arms? Oh yeah, he's like, a rugby player is the big thing. Like, put it on his Fall. All he has to do is fall. <laughs> just open up a hole for him. He'll just. I mean, or just even not open the hole for him. You'll find a small seam and make it big. Also, uh, we haven't done this play in a while, too. Remember in 2019, I know we used this play against South Dakota State. Uh, and I think you guys remember that game was a very close game. But in South Dakota State, we called the Philly Philly. So essentially Tanner handed it off to the running back, gave it to the receiver, and they tossed it into the end zone to Tanner. Uh, I think that was for their two-point conversion. But I, I want to see that, too, because Tanner... Again, like he he can be stealthy sometimes too. So if I if he can do that, I'll take it. <laughs> Didn't they try in the Northwestern game, or maybe I'm thinking of a different game? They, I thought they, they tried, tried something. And like what, when they tried that, I feel like they don't run those plays even in practice enough to be like it, something always goes wrong. Like okay, like sure, flickers. right? It's like okay, the receiver the receiver has it, but now he either has to a throw it away. Or B just loses like three yards because he can't find the edge. Like just at this point, I'm sure throw you can throw one in there every once in a while. But we we know we have our recipe, we have our bread and butter, we know what works. All right. We so. we wait one thirty seconds on this one word answer, two word answer, I guess. Oh, we yeah. mentioned bowl game. What's your what's your way too early bowl game prediction? Oh. Don't want to spend too much time on this, but because it wasn't on our schedule, but just go for it. All right, Gator Bowl. You know, just give me California somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Anything in Cali. 
There's uh, something in Cali. We're going back to the Citrus Bowl. <laughs> I'm picking Detroit year three. <laughs> oh, no. Whoa. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> no, wait. No, no, no. Detroit, no is, uh, uh, Detroit, I don't think Detroit or the Quick Lane Bowl is on the list anymore for Big Ten. Oh, it's not? Oh, good. I'm glad I'm wrong. Is it, was it, is it ACC and Mac now? Yeah. It, it, it rotated, so now Big Ten has a different contract with a different bowl, and ACC has that. Or we just lost the contract outright or something like that. So, yes. So, sorry, sorry, Keegan. No, so it ruins that Clemson is going to the quick lane bowl. Oh. <laughs> oh, actually, the, imagine? the bowl game I would hate to see the football team and our band and fans to go to is going to be the pinstripe bowl in freaking New York City in the cold. Oh, God, what a crap shoot. I was going to say pinstripe. Rutgers is going to have to deal with that one. Yeah. But uh, but no, great segment there, Keegan. Awesome. But uh, looking ahead, uh, score predictions um, for this game. So I will start off uh, preseason, and I still in preseason and still now, I still think this is going to be a win. But I think the score is going to be closer than some of our previous games. So I'm going to say 28 to 14. Uh, oh, oh, excuse me. And like the Illini scores a uh, you know a touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it 14-28. They have the ball for the, like the last five minutes. They get to the end zone and somehow we stop them and seal the game. All right, who wants to predict it next? I'll go next. I, my guess is twenty-one sixteen. Go first. A line I get one touchdown, but then just off of like mediocre drives and like one turnover, they just get a few field goals in and scare us, but the Gophers can still hold out. Chris? Thirty-eight Gophers, seventeen Illini. Was that a seventeen or a seven? 17. <laughs> I, I don't want to disrespect Illinois that much. <laughs> Why? Comfortable 20 to 13. All right. Define comfortable. When is that ever comfortable? Another Purdue yeah. score? Another it's like 20 to 6 in the third quarter, and then they score a touchdown sometime in the fourth quarter. That's just garbage. Okay, that makes okay, sense. Yeah. All, all I'm saying is I'm betting on the Gophers' money line and the over in this game. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm parlaying that, baby. You heard it here first. Awesome. Uh, who's going to be at the game this Saturday, then? So if any fans are listening, they can see you guys. Gotta, I will be there, as always. I got a game. I will not. Sorry, I'll be in Chicago. Quarantine. You're in quarantine, you said? I know I'm self-isolating because I got exposed to COVID. Uh-oh. Ooh, uh-oh. uh-oh. All we'll right. see if that turns into a quarantine. Well, if you're going to be at the Gopher game this Saturday against the Illini, Keegan will be there tailgating prior, as usual, and it will be in the student section. Right, Keegan? <laughs> the tailgate or where I'm sitting? Both. Uh, Tailgate is, what is that? Victory lot, victory lot, and then oh yeah, front row 
second level student section as always. Nice. All right. So that wraps up our predictions and a preview against the fighting Illini. So guys, uh, next segment, the college football playoff committee has released their November 2nd first week rankings. And here is the ranking so far. Number one, Georgia. No reaction. All right. And Georgia is almost undeniably the best football team in the country right now, hands down. I don't think that anyone's surprised to see Georgia at one. All right. Number two, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Wow. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> right. I I concur. Didn't they lose the A and M by a field goal? Some serious rage about this one. I, I probably would have put him at like five or six to be honest if it was me, but I I'm disgusted. <laughs> I am multiple undefeated teams in power five conferences that and they somehow fall short of Alabama as a team that has and has a Play Georgia? Doesn't have to play Georgia? Yeah. But then number three, Michigan State at 8 and 0, beating Michigan last weekend with that comeback in the second half. Pleasantly surprised on this one, actually. I thought I really thought that Michigan State was gonna get, you know, kicked to the curb. In favor of, you know, an Ohio State team that's lost came to Oregon. But, it, you know, it's a pleasant surprise to see Michigan State getting the respect they deserve for gritting out football games. And I just I just wish they would have been above Alabama. Hang on, hang on. I got the right audio and moment for this. We're not hearing it. Yeah, there's there's no audio on our end. Ah, oh, dang it. No no audio? No. So it, it was there for a second, then it cut out. Dang it. So hang on, I'm trying to find the face. Dang it, hang on. I'll show it to the camera here. It is. <laughs> oh yo. <yep. Aww. laughs> It's exactly what we needed. Too bad the audio didn't work, but that's all right. But yeah, that's how I felt <laughs> to the Michigan fans and the team that lost. <laughs> was that audio the like voice crack yeah. commentator that's like the last play of the game? <laughs> what one thing I think the committee did get right here is I am a fan of where Cincinnati and Oklahoma are at. <laughs> You don't? No. I think Cincinnati got extremely disrespected here. Cincinnati I don't think so. Because they're business, and they deserve to be in the conversation for that top four. I mean, I, I mean, six is still, you're still in the conversation when you're at six. All I'm saying is seriously in the conversation at six. The committee gave them six because they didn't want to look that bad. They gave them six because the rest of their schedule is against some booty teams. That's all I got to say. And Oklahoma, we, we saw what happened when we put them at, what, three or four a couple years ago? 
they just got absolutely Schlacked. blown out. So, like, you're nine and zero, Oklahoma fans. I understand you. I see that. I can see that. But we know history could and usually does repeat itself. I just don't know how you can justify putting an Oregon team that lost to Stanford in the top four. Yeah, Oregon. Oregon is four That's too. That's unbelievable to me that you would put that team in the top four. And I understand that like Ohio State has their loss to Oregon, so maybe you don't put them in the top four either. But you know, put a team that didn't lose a game to Stanford in the top four. Because also factor that you also factor it too. Ohio State's also number five. Which I'm okay with. Like again, Oregon beat Ohio State in the, in, in the season, right? So we were. I know like the discussion part. Like, will they rank Ohio State over Oregon despite that loss to Oregon? But I'm like, now you th- said, said it. They lost to Stanford. <laughs> so yeah, would have put Ohio State over Oregon. I think Ohio State is the better football team. I think they are too. But that's why we got four more weeks of against Oregon. We got we got four more weeks of college football. A lot yep. can change. And I got four more weeks to bitch about the committee's mistake. That's, that's what you know I'm going to do it. We know. We know. Just quickly give props to Wake Forest for making an appearance. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing, but they're here. You know, they're yeah, so again, look at us, uh, where we left off. So seven is Michigan. Uh, eight is Oklahoma, nine is Wake Forest, ten is Notre Dame. So that's your top ten right there. Any other reactions of the other teams in the top ten? I mean, we can talk about Minnesota. That's pretty obvious. Like, yeah, I feel like they. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I putting us ahead of right now. I mean, I'm, I guess we're talking right. Like this is up to date so sure maybe that's fine but like i still hate that we're in the top 25 just, yeah. Yeah. it's too early it's yeah yeah, yeah i think especially since it's like it's minnesota wisconsin iowa like that's why i don't like it at this point in the season if it was flipped i'd be like okay a little early but it's never gonna be above wisconsin after wisconsin beat iowa and Wisconsin isn't going to be above Minnesota until they played hot enough football for long enough. Because Wisconsin was ice cold early. Yeah. They were struggling. Not good. <laughs> but the thing is, that I do want to note, too, Wisconsin's the only 5-3 and three team in the top 25. No, there's Mississippi State. Mississippi State's in there. Oh, Miss, oh Mississippi State. My bad. Never mind. There's two teams in there. That's 5-3. and three. Yeah, Wisconsin's also played five ranked opponents. It's eyebrows for me. I just feel like the committee put us at 20 because they saw we had two losses. That's, like, all I can think of. I hate that we're 20. That's all I got to say. I love it, but I I hate it. The thing for me is I don't want to be ranked going into the Kinnick game at Iowa. (laughs) That's all I ask. (laughs) After a pissed-off Iowa? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like... I for Mississippi State being ranked, it, it, I mean, they beat Texas A&M. 
And so the committee needs to rank Mississippi State if they're going to say that Texas A&M is as good of a team as they are, which they need to say that Alabama is the number two team in the country. So, like, that's the only reason that I can see Mississippi State being ranked is to get Alabama to number two. Yeah. Mississippi State lost to Memphis. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I don't really understand, like, why Mississippi State's, like, honestly even in this more than us. Yeah, because if you look at it from 11 to 20 uh, before us, so Oklahoma State's 11 at 7-1. Baylor is number 12 at 7-1. Auburn is 13th at 6-2. A&M is 6-2 at 14. BYU is 15 at 7-2. Mississippi is 16. Mississippi State 17. Kentucky 18. 19th NC State. Uh, of course, us at 20. And then uh, for the remainder, five, Wisconsin, Iowa, Fresno State, San Diego State, and Pitt. So you think that does a disservice to Pitt? <laughs> I think Pitt's a better football team than a couple of those teams above them. So I think they're better than Penn State. The same. They had a couple of disappointing losses, but you know, I don't know. I don't know that that's enough to move them move them to, down to twenty five. I mean, Fresno State isn't that good of a team. San Diego, San Diego State's been playing great football, but they're not that good of a team. Good thing we have four more weeks to change. Four yeah. more weeks to bitch about. <laughs> Still number two next week. I want you to remember saying that, Griff. <laughs> next week, we have three more weeks. Yep. But all right, that's the college football playoff rankings. Gophers at number 20. And of course, as you, you heard it here, why is ever go bitch about for another three, four more weeks about this? Not for another four weeks. Yep. But uh, last key thing head football coach PJ Fleck uh, had re has received a seven year contract extension, putting him under contract with the Golden Gophers until. Uh, the 2028 season. Um, so here's some key pending, pending the approval, pending approval by the board of regents. Um, uh, but here's oh, some it's approved every single one of these yeah. contracts. Yeah, but That's, it's not a barrier. Here's a key thing, though. I want to uh, bring up regarding his new contract uh, that he signed. Um, uh, as, as a pending approval, so his uh, annual salary has gone up pretty much. I think. Three to uh, three hundred, four hundred uh, million to from four point six five to five point one, making him, I think, in terms of like the Big Ten, the top five paid head coach in the conference, in the top seventeen in the nation. Um, I think I read that right. Uh, but the key thing I want to note is his buyout. So if, if a coach, if he gets poached by another program, and that program needs to pay his buyout, so uh, his first year buyout is at ten million. Um, then his uh, second year buyout uh, in 2023 is seven million. Uh, you think about it, remember back in 2020, uh, 2019 when we won the uh, 11 games, including the game against Auburn, and he got that extension that season. Remember that buyout first year was still 10 mil, but then it dropped up drastically to 4.5 mil and below for years um, two to seven. In this situation, it's increased. So now year two is seven mil, uh, year three is five mil, and then four mil in year four and after. So the key thing I like about this contract 
is his huge buyout. Uh, of course, you know, if a program like, uh, like um, as a hypothetical, uh, say a USC hires him, they, ha they have the finances to pay that 10 mil buyout. But I think that high buyout helps the Gophers to keep him on long-term, especially if other programs uh, that want to poach him as well. But I do want to make note of that. And his assistants also receive a huge uh, increase as well. So across the entire assistant coaching salaries, like overall, uh, 350K has been added to keep help us keep that current stat. And you think about it too, I think who was it? Um, Clemson is like the number one program in terms of like salaries for their assistant coaches, like coordinators and position coaches, because they can keep, like we think about it, the OC in DC for Clemson has stayed there for years versus say Alabama, they just rotate, you know, coordinators and such. So I did want to note that, that uh, uh, the U of M is increasing the salaries for his assistant coaches and uh, and uh, support staff as well. Um, and then for incentives, 150K for winning a Big Ten championship, 100K for winning uh, the West Division or tying a win for the West Big, Big, Big Ten West, 100,000 100, for National Coach of the Year, 50K for Conference Coach of the Year, 100K for winning eight regular season games and another 100K for winning winning nine regular season games. So that's pretty much the quick gist in terms of his um, contract uh, extension pending approval. Thoughts? That's big money, but <clears throat> he's provided us with a program that is has literally trend, trended upwards. I think you can measure his success not only in like his first, like his first four seasons he goes five and seven, seven and five, eleven and two, and then you have what you're or you had an off year in there with COVID. But it's like okay, you you go to like he has what three or four bowl wins now. So I mean, not only can you measure like the records going up every year. You have bowl wins to prove that. I think this was a smart move. Just <clears throat> hoping that they don't. And student-athletes student are doing better, too. Better recruiting classes. I think uh, I think the Mark, I'm glad that Mark thinks he found our guy and wants to extend him. He's already done good things, and I, he will continue that. Unlike Scott Frost, who, <laughs> who in year four finally reaches 13 wins. When he won that in one season at UCF. It's refreshing to have, like, Minnesotans that aren't, like, recent alumni, like, actually, like, just talk about Minnesota again. So I remember, like, growing up in the state, you didn't hear anything about Minnesota football until, like, Jerry Kill came around. And even then, like, oh, bowl games. And it's just now, like, actually having, like, a respectable football program again. And so I'm, I love this contract extension, and I feel like most people agree with that. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Wyatt, you have something? I mean, it's worth I'm not really concerned about the bio clause. I never have been that concerned about the bio clause. I don't think PJ's really in a position where he has any desire He's he's come too far with us to you know 
just walk away and try to do it somewhere else at this point. Because, you know, he's built something special here. He's built a program that's shown that they can persevere and win football games. I don't think that he's going to let a USC poach him just because they've got more tradition. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think, too. He's doing fine under their interim head coach. I don't like I, if I were USC, I'd be looking at him as a very serious candidate for the head coaching gig. I mean, we talk about was it 2017 when he was brought here? He was practicing in the the old Gibson Nagurski indoor field and that one outdoor field. And I guess you have some practices at what was then TCF, and now you are here through an entire athletic village change. Where now not only can they're at a point where He's bringing in not only a good program, good people, he's bringing in good money. He has wins and uh, trophies to help back it up. Like, he is starting to build this program to where he can get all the resources and players that he needs to succeed. He has completely reshaped football in the state of Minnesota. Yep. Exactly. 100%. And I will say, too, as well, um, I think you guys uh, remember this conversation when PJ had his press conference. He wants to be like the Iowa's, like with Hayden Fry and Kirk Ferentz, or in the case of Barry Alvarez and Wisconsin, even though we may, as Gopher fans, hate those programs. But you can't deny the fact that Iowa has had, you know, long-term success with just two coaches. And then with Wisconsin, Barry Alvarez has had, I'd say, you know, a a footprint in everything that they do despite his retirement coming up so uh, I know some people may disagree with me on that but I think that's what PJ wants to pursue uh, long term wise for his, for the Gopher program cultural sustainability but if I'm taking a shot at Iowa here a not racist <laughs> cultural sustainability true. true true I just I had to throw that in there the end <laughs> all right well, um, that wraps up our segment here regarding PJ's contract extension. So going to a last segment, if you have anything, like any hot takes, uh, I'll start off. Please fire Mike fucking Zimmer. <laughs> so my heart can stop. Like, this team is good. I'll say it. This Vikings team is so talented. Like, they, they're good. We know they are. And then and I'm... I was watching the Cowboys game, and we called consecutive timeouts, and by NFL rules, that's a penalty. And then in his press conference, like Zim, Zim was like, "Oh, I forgot to call a timeout." I'm like, "Holy hell! Who's letting you do that? Who's letting you forget that you called timeout?" Right. And like, apparently, the refs are supposed to not grant you the timeout, which is like what I don't get either. It's like, okay, then the ref shouldn't call the timeout. They shouldn't grant him that timeout, but then they did anyway, and now it's five yards. Like someone's head needs to roll. Either that's Zimmer's or just offensive coordinator. Like, oh, so so an insider source told me a while a while ago, as in Monday, that Ziggy Wilf was in the building on Monday, and he's usually never in the building on Mondays. Ooh, so interesting. So TPO Performance Center is getting a little hot and steamy right now. The thing is that my question is, if if Zim, if Zim does get fired, 
do you think the Wills will let him coach until the end of the season, or are they going to fire him outright like they did yeah. with like other coaches? Like they're, they're going to leave him until the end of the season, and then they'll pull the plug. They're not. It's too. We're too far in at this point to just you know pull the plug on Zim right in the middle of the season. I think. Yeah, we're not yeah. like Dan Quinn who lost about six games to start the start of the season, then get fired. But if we if the Vikings somehow get like the wild card. I don't think Zimmer will get fired because oh, no, pre pre twenty twenty Zimmer like Vikings loved that, but then yeah, like I think someone's going to get fired at the end at the end of the season. At least the offensive coordinator, whoever ends up still remaining in that seat at the end of the season. At least I hope so. You just can't lose to a team where this where their quarterback makes their first career start. Not like he did a great job either. He just did what he had to do. We lost to Cooper Rush. <laughs> Made him look like a Pro Bowl candidate. I know. What a, it's what a, unacceptable. I would have rather lost to Cooper Cup and have him torch our defense. Literally. <laughs> that would be respectable. Lose to Cooper Cup in the wild card round. Oh, yeah. But uh, I do have... <laughs> Uh, even though I said I want Zimmer fired, which I do, even if we do make the playoffs, I think um, some people may disagree with me, but the coach that I would take to replace him, I think uh, I, I want a off more offensive-minded coach. Um, Doug Peterson, formerly of the Eagles. Hmm. I know. Not the first thing that came to my mind when you said that. You thought you thought so too, Wyatt. <laughs> Not the first name that came okay. to my mind. What? Okay. I was not thinking Doug Peterson. For me, is Doug Peterson. Uh, I'll ask the three of you then. Who do you think, if Zim is fired today or by the end of the season, who would you take as your head coach for the Minnesota Vikings? You might have to give me a sec here, but I think the one we really missed out on is Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like I just. We, 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 at the first name I thought of when you said offensive minded, I was like, Kevin Stefanski, you should never have been allowed to work. Yeah. Right. I mean, he, he worked his way up with the Vikings. He should have stayed with the Vikings. But, I mean, like, you can't blame him either. If there's a head coaching job, why wouldn't you want to go for it? And if your organization's not going to do something to keep you, then clearly you need to leave. That's what he had to do. Um, but I think he was more of a player's guy, too. Zim's, Zim's that old school coach. He's going to tell you to shut up and play. And Stefanski might, you know, be a little bit more down to earth and start talking more with the players, understand them, be be more of a player's coach and make make them want to play for him. And remember, too, um, Stefanski won NFL Coach of the Year in his first season, too. They He took the Browns with Baker Mayfield uh, losing. So he turned the Browns organization around. Yeah, him and Andrew Barry at GM pretty much brought the Browns back to relevancy. Of course, right now they're um, – I think 500 or something like that. Like in terms of their record, they uh, numbers wise, they don't look great, but they've lost some close games. Um, I'd say um, OBJ is being a distraction and some of their old linemen has been injured. It has always been a distraction. Yeah. So you know, to deal with OBJ, I think Kevin Stefanski seems to be the, you know, he's the, I think he's going to be, he's the savior of the, what the Browns needed, not Hugh, uh, is it Hugh Jackson um, or those or, or 
Freddie Kitchens or those other Browns coaches. So, but yes, I do agree. We should not have lost Kevin Stefanski to the Browns. But, but I know you said Kevin Griff, but he's over in Cleveland now. <laughs> well, we'll see how Cleveland does this season. True. With all the distractions going on there, maybe Kevin Stefanski doesn't have a job later on this morning. And even even though there was some disconnect between Doug Peterson and the GM of the Eagles, like even though it wasn't necessarily his fault, like I just did not understand some of the trades that happened. It's like, okay, you trade this person for just like a, this random person for like a six round pick. Like what's your thought process with that? Like, it's like a halfway decent player. And I mean, that's not like it would happen under a Rick Spielman, but I think if Zim goes, they might move on from Spielman too. True. Clean slate. Why? It's more surprising. Why? Any oh. any coaches that come to mind for you guys? I'm I'm never really up to date on like the current coaching pool, so I don't have a really good answer on that front. But I'm I'm like the minority of football fans. I love defensive minded coaching schemes, and I love a defensive minded team. So I I've loved Zimmer, except for the past year and a half. That's my one input. <laughs> the other name that now that. I had a little bit of time to think is the enemy. If we're talking, yeah, I mean, everyone's talked about how he deserves a role. He's a little bit more offensive minded. Why not? Zimmer is this, I think would still be a great defensive coordinator to have on your team, but he's going to want a head coaching role now that he's been in one, but maybe he would. And I also (laughs) want to mention too, uh, you know, some Vikings fans will, chime in as well or nfl fans saying oh but kansas city is like 500 record wise but like if you think about it on that kansas city team their defense is booty they're ranked 32 out of 32 but their offense scoring offense are in the top 10 they're ranked number nine in, in terms of overall offense like yards and percent and completion percentage like all of them combined i think they're number four uh in the nfl as well so their offense is running what can like it, technically it's like they're down year on offense but like their defenses have been losing them games, so I think Eric Bieniemy, even though that plastered number like four and three or four and four on their record, or five, or now five and three since they won Monday Night Football, uh, says who they are. Uh, Eric Bieniemy is still coaching a solid offense for Andy Reid uh, in Kansas City. So yes, he he is another name I have in mind, uh, and he also he did coach for the Vikes back during the um, when we drafted Adrian Peterson. Because he was uh, AP. I forgot about that. Yeah, with Brad Childress. I would not be mad at that. Out of the box answer for this. Uh, If you say Fleck, I'm gonna like virtually slap you. (laughs) No, Byron Lefwich. Byron Lefwich from Tampa. Oh, defensive coordinator, Tampa Bay. He he's really, and I mean, obviously Tom Brady's his quarterback. Like we can we can all look at that and say, well. The goat stepped into the building. Obviously, their offense is going to be good. But you know, he's he's done some things to make sure that you know he's on the same page with Tom, while still sort of having that identity that they have with Arians. Um, no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah, and I, I think he's done really well, and I'd love to see him get a shot to be head coach somewhere. Yeah. That's I wonder it. if he would. I wonder if he would even consider leaving until Brady retires. 
if he just like wants to like have that baby it would it would really come down to the offer i think yeah but again uh then again these are names that we're, you know i'm we're, sp we're spewing that you know names that come to mind like you know po the most popular names that we come to mind but remember uh what was it the eagles hired <laughs> nick seriani and then uh the Chargers hired at the defensive coordinator from the Rams. What's his name? Um, Brandon Staley. So, <laughs> knowing what's going to happen with the next GM or what Rick Spiel if he or if Rick Spielman stays, I don't know who he's going to pick. Because remember, when we first hired Zimmer, I was like, "Who the hell is Mike Zimmer?" <laughs> so, Griffin, you're muted. Mike Zimmer, a guy that tried to get head coaching gigs for years and never did until the Vikings. Now we're the I think he, he peaked in 2017. Yeah, something like that. Where he got schlacked by uh, uh, the Eagles 38 to 7. Pretty much. Yeah. To get the first home Super Bowl. And then Tampa won it with Tom Brady. He sucks. <laughs> All right, but that's my uh, uh, long take, which was fire Mike Zimmer, and I want a more offensive-minded head coach. But my hot take over. <laughs> Any others? Guess not. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening in to uh, today's podcast. Uh, thank you, uh, wherever you are, either be listening in your car, watching the videos on YouTube, or anywhere else. Thank you so much. And again, just let you know, we are on YouTube for videos versions, and if you have YouTube Premium, you can play with the app closed, so you know. Then Spotify, uh, uh, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud. Um, and wherever else SoundCloud will export to for podcasts. But those are our major platforms. So you want to find us in those platforms, please go ahead. Um, and first of all, I want to thank, uh, thank you, Keegan, for joining us as a special guest today. Um, and Wyatt and Griffin uh, coming back on for this week as well. Keegan, we love you. Oh, I love you more. Hang on, Keegan. <laughs> it was great. Awesome, awesome. Well, everyone, thank you. Have a great day or night. And uh, we'll see you all next week to – recap the Illini game and preview uh, next week's matchup against uh, Iowa. So until then, see you next time and oh.